Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Everybody seems to be supporting me. You can go buy anything you want in this country, anywhere you want, and take it home, and I don't see what the difference between beer and something else. It's a merchandise. That's the hero we need, but apparently not the one we deserve right now as a country. Gerard Como uh, of Tracadia, New Brunswick. Case goes back to 2012. About 14 cases of beer, three bottles of liquor in Quebec brought them home to New Brunswick. It was caught and was fined under New Brunswick law that prevents people from doing exactly that. Now, he won a victory at a lower court that struck down that New Brunswick law, found that it violates the Constitution. But the Supreme Court of Canada today took a very different view of that. Now, Section 121 of the Constitution stipulates all articles of the growth, produce, manufacture of any one provinces shall, from and after the Union, be admitted free into each of the other provinces. So what does that mean? What are the expectations for the provinces? And what kind of leeway do they have in terms of enacting other policies? So that's the question the court was considering today. And in a unanimous decision, they affirmed the constitutionality of that New Brunswick law. So how and why did they reach that decision? Well, joining us on the line is a constitutional expert, law professor, University of Ottawa, Carissima Mathen. Professor Mathen, great to have you with us. Welcome to the program. Thanks a lot, Rob. Well, it is a unanimous decision, uh, and I suppose we can, we can take something from that and that the Supreme Court seems quite clear on, on these principles. That's right. Um, you know, if to the extent that there was any contrary opinion, it was it was clearly hashed out. And uh, you not only have a unanimous decision, but it's issued by the court, which means it's not attributed to any particular judge. That's not. I mean, we shouldn't take anything too much from that, but it is a sign of greater consensus or you know unanimity, and that they're really they want to speak as the court and not even just as one judge concurred in by the others. Okay, so Section 121 of the Constitution seems at at first blush to be rather clear about uh, articles of growth, produce, or manufacture from any one of the provinces shall be admitted free into each of the other provinces. But there's more to it than that, I guess. Well, that's that's right. Um, it has a historical context, so we have to remember that in 1867, the four component parts of the what would become the Dominion of Canada, those four provinces were, of course, pre-existing colonies um, with their own laws and and customs and excise. And they had uh, many uh, trade barriers, as any country does. And 
a big motivation for um, the framers of Confederation was economic integration. I mean, that was a primary goal for um, Canada to be founded in the first place. And so it, it makes sense that Section 121 uh, would, have been, would have been drafted and it would have made clear that those individual customs and excise um, rules would be subsumed under a broader national policy, transferring that power to the federal government. Uh, you know, it certainly would have been easier if Section 121 had been worded just to say "shall be admitted free of tariffs." Uh, they didn't. They didn't use that term, and that's a fair point. Nonetheless, um, the Supreme Court, in previous decisions and today, has decided that it doesn't mean that there can be no uh, factual or no on-the-ground barriers to the movement of goods. The the test requires something a little more than that. It includes tariffs. It's not limited to tariffs. So that potentially, you know, there's some tantalizing possibilities there, but they weren't prepared to upend, you know, a, a century and a half of various economic arrangements that have seen provinces uh, enact a lot of regimes in, in many areas that do have the effect of preventing the free flow of goods. Well, and it, I mean, it seems as though then the, the court was worried about the impact of, of ruling the other way. I mean, especially since you basically had all the provinces lined up uh, in support of, of New Brunswick's law. How much of a consideration is that for the court? I think it is a very great consideration when you're talking about the interpretation of the original 1867 Constitution, which largely deals with uh, the, the division of powers, so the legislative authority, but also economic regulation, where you have all of the actors in, in the Federation, so all of the governments, and including the governments of the territories, they also intervened in this case to urge the court not to adopt uh, an absolute free trade approach to Section 120. On an issue of economic regulation, the court's pretty reluctant to go against that because it sees its role as basically acting as an umpire between and among the governments. And this may be hard for, for you know, the average person to understand, but ordinary citizens don't have as much weight or say in how the court interprets division of powers, like like um, jurisdictional disputes and debates. And so in a sense, Gerard Como sort of was, was the vehicle for bringing this, this law forward. But the interest of the individual citizen really disappears in these kinds of cases. And it really becomes about what has been the arrangement, what does the Constitution actually say about, about these powers. And unlike, say, a Charter of Rights case, where the focus is very much on the individual, the citizen isn't as much of a factor. Right. Mr. Como was not necessarily arguing that his charter rights had been violated. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. But I'm saying that, that right. the, the, the individual citizen's interest in the division of powers, historically, it, it, it's not given as much weight as, as we, might, we might think. It's really a government-to-government -government fight. Yeah. It, well, it's interesting. Is the court does say that, I mean, Section 121 does still have meaning. Uh, the tariffs or tariff-like measures, as they say, would be prohibited. But they say Section 121 does not prohibit governments from adopting laws and regulatory schemes directed to other goals that have incidental effects on the passage of goods across provincial borders. So they're saying that New Brunswick has a, a different kind of purpose for having this law. We can debate how incidental the, the effects are, but I guess the court is saying that that, that would, would take precedence. 
That's right. And that's not a new principle. So one of the things to understand in terms of the, the division of powers, like which where the federal government and the provincial government have different um, legal authority, is that it's recognized that that authority can extend to areas of life that actually overlap. So that if you took a very strict approach to and, and didn't permit for these incidental effects, a lot of existing laws would probably be found, be found to be ultra vires because in some way they affected an area of life or social interaction that actually falls under another government's uh, authority. And so the incidental effects argument is one way that the court tries to inject some stability into the division of powers to say that we look more to what is this law intended to do? And if it is intended to promote a goal that is clearly within provincial authority, we're prepared to tolerate some effects, um, for example, in this case, that would actually impede the, the free flow of goods. Uh, one tweet on this from another uh, constitutional expert, Philippe Lagasse, who said this perfectly encapsulates Canada, ruling contrary to a plain reading, serving the interest of the orders of government over individuals justified on the grounds that it's for our own goods. Is that is that too cynical uh, a reading of this? Well, I think it's... Um you know, thrusting a role on the Supreme Court that historically has not adopted in division of powers. Um, I do take the point that Section 121, if you if you read it on its on its face, uh, you know, it does use very broad language, but it's also well established that you look at a variety of different factors, historical factors, contextual factors, the structure of the Constitution as a whole. I mean, this provision does appear in the part of the Constitution that deals with revenue and taxes. Um, so, so you know, the, the, the actual text only goes so far, but also the for their own good. I mean, the issue here is that it's the province that is determined that it should, it should, um, in, it should in, control the consumption of alcohol within its borders, whether from outside the province or inside the province, that all of that alcohol should be supplied by the New Brunswick Liquor Commission. So it's really the province that's deciding what's in its own citizens' interests. And that's a decision, you know, I think the court's perspective would be, well, that's a debate to be had between the citizens uh, uh, of New Brunswick and the government. And if they're really unhappy about that, then they should exercise their current political and democratic rights to change that. So, so I don't know that the Supreme Court is saying, we're making this decision to protect Canadians. What they're yeah. saying is, you know, we, we're not can interfere with decisions taken by other by by the governments of Canada that they feel is is in the citizens' interest. Like that's not actually that's not actually our role. That's a debate to be had between the people and their governments. But it's interesting, and it might leave Alberta still in a precarious situation because of the wording around tariffs or tariff-like measures that had New Brunswick uh, New Brunswick's approach been to place tariffs on out-of-province beer, that the court might have had a very different view. Uh, that's right. I think that there is some language in here that should be a cautionary note to um, some of the provinces currently uh, embroiled in controversy, including Alberta. For example, I would think that this would make, they do say that, you know, a measure that's taken, first of all, things other than tariffs can be barriers. They, they talk about it as burdens. So just simply stopping the flow of goods from a particular province, like Alberta did with BC Wine, would seem to clearly uh, be, be contrary to Section 121. And the language here where if a province's intention is to impede 
the free flow of goods is really to act as a barrier to the interprovincial trade that is meant to be part of the federal economic system. Uh, that, although it wouldn't necessarily fall under Section 121, I think that that would be something the court wouldn't look favorably on. In the meantime, as you say, nothing precludes politicians from, from addressing this if, if they so choose. And in fact, I, I think later this year, there was the Canada Free Trade Agreement that was struck last year. There was a task force or working group set up to address the issue uh, of alcohol. They're going to make some recommendations later this year. So it is still possible through the political channels that, that we, can, we can reduce these barriers. Absolutely. There's nothing in the Constitution that mandates these barriers. I would say that the fairer reading is that the Constitution, you know, anticipated uh, few barriers um, and that that is absolutely a political decision that can be taken and where the governments uh, would be responding to the pressure exerted by, by citizens. Well, fascinating ruling. Uh, Carissima, always appreciate the insight. Thank you so much for joining us here today. You're very welcome. There you go. Charisma Mathin, uh, professor of law, University of Ottawa. Her thoughts on this ruling, why the court ruled as it did. It's disappointing, but that doesn't mean that it has to be the last word on the matter. Uh, The prime minister uh, speaking in London, where he's attending the Commonwealth Summit, made the point today that his government has taken great strides to open up trade within Canada and will do more. Uh, We know there continue to be issues that will require further discussion with the provinces, but uh, this is something that uh, we've made significant progress on and we will continue to. Well, let's hope so, right? And, And to his credit, his government did bring in last year this Canada Free Trade Agreement, and hopefully that will start to to erase some of these barriers. July 1st of this year, in fact, is when that working group is supposed to report back with some recommendations as it pertains to interprovincial trade on alcohol. Uh, One economist today, though, pointed out on Twitter, with today's Supreme Court decision, there are fewer trade barriers for Ontario companies to sell to Michigan than to Quebec. This is a problem. It is indeed. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.